0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul told us Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. As Christians, it is our duty and privilege to grow strong in Jesus Christ. Are you diligently pursuing Jesus and growing to know him and obey him in every aspect of your life? Are you growing stronger in Jesus, or do you have a casual indifference toward him? Let's open our Bible now to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at this incredible privilege of growing stronger and stronger in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Monday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Normally we've been doing the teachings on Sunday, but uh the kingdom discipleship uh leadership team, eight guys, we were away at a uh at just a a time away, a, a nice cabin trip out in the mountains of uh of Oklahoma and it was uh just a it was just a really blessed time and so we just had a good time of fellowship and community. Um you know, just a time of ministering to one another and, uh, you know, just, just relaxing. Um, and, uh, you know, and so uh, we didn't get home till late, you know, till yesterday afternoon. And so uh, here we are Monday morning. Thank you, Lord. So um, today we're we're beginning Ephesians 6. Um, next two teachings, Lord willing, will be Ephesians 6 and we'll have completed the book of Ephesians. just been an incredible, incredible story. We just, man, it's been good. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for this book of Ephesians. We just thank you that we have our Bible, Father, in the name of Jesus. Wow, Lord. But Father, we do above all thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and master and and king and savior, Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect life for us and dying a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you're alive and risen this day and we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask that you would give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. <clears throat> All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, we're going to do verses today, maybe be, uh, maybe what one to 10, maybe even one to 12. We'll see how far we get. Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Um, again, Paul is just uh, giving you know his concluding remarks here. Um you know, remember in the first three chapters of Ephesians, he he laid down, you know, all that's been accomplished for us in Christ. Um, he explained our position in Christ, who we are in Christ, right? Um, all that our Heavenly Father has done in Christ in, in bringing us all together. We all have equal access, whether we're Jewish or we're Gentile, which means we're not Jewish. Um, we all have equal access to our heavenly father in and through jesus christ our lord and so he does that in the first three chapters he gives he gives incredible prayers in chapters one and three and then in chapters four five and six he he you know he outlines how we're to live our lives in light of all that's been done for us in jesus once we we understand and have received jesus christ as our lord and savior and that happens as he says in verse uh Verses 8 and 9 in Ephesians Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Okay, so there's there's nothing we do to earn our salvation. There's nothing we do to help Jesus earn our salvation. Our salvation is a gift. All we can do is receive it, right? John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him. Jesus. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we were saved from our sin. We're delivered from eternal hell. And we go and spend eternity in heaven when we die by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. There's nothing we can do to add to that. There's nothing we can do to help that. We simply humble ourselves, uh, acknowledging our hopelessness, our helplessness, our desperation, And we simply receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior from that place. Now, once we've become Christians, once we've been saved, now it's our responsibility. This has nothing to do with our salvation. But in light of all that Jesus has done for us uh, in our place and on our behalf, for all that our Heavenly Father has done, for all that the Holy Spirit does as our guide, our counselor, our comforter. you know, he explains to us in chapters four, five, and six. Now again, how we ought to live our lives in light of all that's been done, right? And so here we are in, in verse six, I'm sorry, in chapter six, in chapter five, he gave instructions for the husband-wife relationship. Uh, he gave instructions on just how we're to work together as just brothers and sisters in Christ and the kingdom of God. Now he begins chapter six and continues on and says in verse one, children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. Okay, um, it's it is the duty of a child to obey their parents. Now, what's what's obviously implied in this verse, right, rap? Children obey your parents in the Lord. You know, a three, four, five, six, eight, ten-year-old child needs to be taught obedience okay children obey your parents in the lord a child is not just going to do this on their own okay it's not like your five-year-old just going to pick up the bible and start reading the bible and say wow ephesians 6 1 says children obey your parents in the lord for this is right and just you know all of a sudden start obeying you know that'd be wonderful and let's you know as we keep the scriptures before our children more and more that's what ought to happen but really what's you know implied here children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, is that as parents, we are consistently day by day teaching our children to obey and to obey who? To obey Jesus. Now, certainly, you know, your children ought to be obedient. Your young children, I'm talking about minor children now, um, underage children, ought to be obedient to your parents. Okay. Well, we ought to obey our parents. We ought to to honor them. Um, obviously, you don't, you don't obey a parent that's, 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 you know, telling you to do something sinful. Um, and, you know, there are very, very few parents that would ever tell a child to do something sinful. Um, but children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So, as a parent, uh, our, you know, our greatest duty is to obviously show our children the love of Christ, to continually have the name of Jesus on our lips but to, to have a lifestyle, right, Wendy, of teaching them to obey, okay, uh, to obey what we tell them as parents, and to make it clear that this is the will of Christ, that ultimately what we're sharing with our children um, is what the Bible says to do. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Again, it, it, you know, in the Lord simply means, number one, that you do it out of out of reverence for Christ, right? Um, You know, Ephesians 5.21 in the previous chapter says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, you know, just because it's the heart of Jesus, because it's how Jesus set it up, you know, a child ought to obey his parents. This is the way Jesus set it up. But equally as important, um, you know, we obey our parents in the Lord um, because our parents are exhorting us to obedience to the word of God and the son of God, right? So again, extremely important verse. It cannot be overstated, right, Pop? It's a child's job to obey their parents, right, Gabriel? Um, Again, and it's the parent's job to be teaching the child, right, Susan, uh, obedience to the word of God and the son of God. Now, it's interesting when he moves to chapter 2, and he gives the command out of uh, Deuteronomy 5.16. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. Verse 3, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And I believe there's a transition here, um, Verse one really I believe is speaking to minor underage children now once a child is of adult age okay no more is that child under the government of their parents okay um, no more is an underage child you know in our society you know if you know once you're eighteen you're 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 an adult in this culture. Um, now, again, if, you, if you're if you 18 and you're still living in your parents' home, then you got to follow your parents' rules, okay? Matter of fact, if you're living in any house, right, that's not your own, then you have to follow the rules of that house. And obviously, hopefully, you're living in a biblical house, right? Um, so now an adult, right, no more is under the charge of their parents, okay? Um, but it says, you know, we honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So now, as adult children, okay, and obviously this would certainly apply to young children, but again, a young child, their understanding, what does it mean to honor your father and mother? But as we get older and we grow up, right, and we're adults now, we we, we ought to have a heart. You know, we don't obey our parents anymore. We we're, 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 we have our own relationship with Jesus, and we're obeying the word of God and the son of God ourselves, Okay. Um, you know, there are problems sometimes where people just, you know, our parents consistently want to control their children's lives, you know, until they're 30 years old or something, okay? And again, that's it's not biblical, all right? Uh, Obviously, if we raise our children in the Lord, by the time they're 18 years old, and obviously well before that, that we've raised them to understand that it is their duty to obey the Son of God and the Word of God, right? Um, But as adults, it's our duty, Right, May, to, to honor our parents. May and I go out of our way to, to honor May's parents and to honor my mother and father. And, you know, you honor them again just by, uh, you know, by, by, by respecting them, by giving your time to them, right? By being thoughtful to them, by being, being a blessing to them, okay? Um, by being forgiving to them, of course, which we ought to do to all people, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, verse 3, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Do you have a lifestyle of honoring your father and mother? And again, now, if you're a child and you're even whatever, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, you ought to be beginning to honor your father and mother. Obviously, when you obey them, you are honoring them, right? Um, Again, as an adult now, you, you ought to be obeying the Lord. Okay, you're not really honoring your father and your mother anymore as a 30-year-old person, you know, when you obey the Lord because you have your own relationship with the Lord, but you honor them by by being thoughtful to them, by spending time with them, by remembering the fact that, you know, all that your parents had done for you and really, you know, looking to show them in return just the, the blessing and the love and the thoughtfulness and the care you know, that your parents have given to you. Again, you you honor them. You know, we understand that our parents made mistakes and they didn't didn't do everything perfect, but you look for the good that your parents did do. You look for the fact that, you know, the Lord brought you into the earth through your mother and father, and, you know, you forgive them for the mistakes that they made, um, and you're thankful for the things that they did well, right? And, And there's a blessing that goes with that. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, Paul says, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Again, it's a big deal, right? Um, you, know, um, you know, and certainly this means, again, um, your, your parents and your in-laws, right? When you get married, your in-laws become your, your, you know, your mother and father-in-law, and you ought to have a lifestyle, again, of honoring them, of being thoughtful of them, of praying for them, right, of of being respectful of them, right, Um, being selfless toward them. Verse four, um, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Obviously, this would apply to mothers as well. What does he mean by this? Uh, He means don't be, uh, you know, don't be condescending to your children. Don't talk down to them. Don't be belittling to them. You know, basically, don't be sinful to your children. When it says don't exasperate your children, it's certainly not saying don't exhort them to obedience. Okay. It's not saying to not strongly, it is our duty as parents to strongly exhort our children. To obedience, right? And of course, you know, even if we have twenty-year-old children and it's, you know, they're not walking with the Lord, which it's, it's our, you know, we still, of course, you know, want to exhort them. Again, they're not, they're not, they're not the same as when they're, they're younger children, right? And they're living in our home and they're under our charge. But when it says, "Fathers, do not exasperate your children," again, it's really, you know, it's speaking to fathers and mothers. Um, you know, don't act in a in a sinful, belittling, overly harsh you know, mean, you know, hurtful way towards your children, okay? Um, And that's something we can do as well out of, you know, sometimes we can get very frustrated and irritated with our children. And and as parents, we can actually act in a sinful way toward them, okay? And that's just something, you know, and all of us have made this mistake. And it's something we just, uh, you know, we want to repent over, right? Because he actually says, bring them up in the training an instruction of the Lord. So obviously, to exasperate them does not mean to not be devoted and zealous about teaching them obedience in the in the Lord. Um, but it certainly means that that you know we ought not act again in a in a in an overly harsh or nasty or sinful way toward our children. And again, all of us have made this mistake, and we simply repent. It shouldn't be hard for us to say to our children and set them example. I've certainly said to my daughters. I'm gonna say, I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Just, you know, when I acted in a, you know, in a harsh or an impatient or a, you know, a, uh, you know, a very irritated way where it moved into a, into sin, right? Bring them up in the training and instruction in the Lord. So once again, when you have young children, we, you know, every day we ought to have Jesus before them, the scriptures before them, right? Uh, my big sister, Susan, right? Um, has raised all her children from the time they were, you know, they were young enough to understand even, I don't even know how old it was, Susan, right? Two, three years old. She's reading the word of God, you know, over them, right? Reading the word of God with them. And all six of them can, uh, you know, can just, uh, you know, remember growing up, right? Um, you know, what is it? Uh, Crosby, right? Uh, Madison, um, Landon, Olivia, Halligan, and Gabriel, um, and now Gabriel's on coming up on 17, right? Halligan just turned 20, and all of them can remember their mother and their father just reading the Word of God with them, speaking the Word of God over them. Um, great parents uh, Damon and Susan, and just raising their children in the Word of God, right? Verse 5, now he's going to move into, into a slave-master relationship, and uh, you know, it's a uh, uh, you know some people are very offended. The Bible doesn't uh, doesn't by any means go out of its way to uh, it doesn't approve slavery, and it doesn't go out of its way to end it. Um, you know, scholars say that you you know Jesus came into the world during a time right two thousand years ago where slavery was a reality. Now it wasn't it wasn't the same kind of slavery we experienced in England and in certainly in America. Um you know but it, it it was a it was a cultural reality okay when it's when it says slaves obey your earthly masters really it's it's speaking to us about the employer employee relationship right um but what's interesting um you know is that paul here um you know in first Corinthians seven Paul makes it clear that if you're a slave and you can gain your freedom you know, do it. But he says, if you move from being a slave to now you're not a slave anymore and you're a free man, now you need to be a slave of Christ, right? So it's an interesting dynamic that the scriptures are going to tell us, verse five, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just, just as you would obey Christ. Um, verse 6, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. When you really read that, Corinne, right, when you break down these verses again, Ephesians 6, verses 5, 6, Seven and eight, you know, you see someone in the Apostle Paul who's living his life completely under the reality that Jesus Christ is God. He's real and he really is involved, intimately involved in the affairs of humanity. So when you step back and read this, It's clear that, again, Paul's making the place, listen, if you're in slavery, then then be the best slave you could ever be. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would serve Christ. Now you jump down to verse 8, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Meaning, the position that you're in, the Lord is aware of it, okay? So if Jesus had allowed them to, to, to be in a position of slavery you know, it certainly has at least his passive approval, as we always say, right? Meaning he could have changed it. He could have stopped it. He understood, Jesus understood that that uh, he allowed you to be in this position of slavery and he expected you to, to be obedient and to be a, a hard working, right? Godly slave. Um, um, and so generally our, you know, and, and I certainly see this in my own life. Right. Now, again, for us in our in our time, we, we relate this really completely. There is no slavery. And, and, and undoubtedly, you know, slavery is a, you know, is is, a, is is not of God. Right. Meaning the slavery that we had is sinful. It's wrong. Um, you know, and, and it's and it's been abolished. Right. And it, it never should have been. Right. Um, in, in the Old Testament. Um, uh, slavery was made as a provision, right, that it, 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 if someone was destitute, they could hire themselves out, you know, or they had debts, they could hire themselves out to a family as a slave. But then after seven years, the debt was canceled and the slave was, 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 was set free. The slavery that came out of England, and of course, it was in the United States, was of a completely different kind. And again, it was, it was sinful. It was wrong. Okay. Now the principles would still apply, right? That whenever we find ourselves in a situation where we're where, where we're being treated unjustly, right, where we're being treated harshly, um, Jesus again is aware of it, and He certainly allowed us to be in that situation. He may not have caused it, although sometimes He does. Um, but He's put us in it, and He's going to reward us. Accordingly, right? Like even when we're treated poorly. So for us, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. Again, this would this would really look like the the employer employee relationship. Okay, um, and hear me. I'm not by any means, you know, uh, saying that slavery wasn't a horrible thing. It certainly was, as I've already stated. Um, and as Paul said in First Corinthians seven, if you can gain your freedom, do so. Um, but we want to have a lifestyle of whatever situation we're in, of, of behaving in a way, in serving Christ, doing all things out of reverence for Christ. You know, if the Lord allowed me to be a slave, then I'm supposed to do it and, and, and live in that place until the Lord you know, takes me out of the situation, right? Um, so again, for wherever you are today with your employer, right, the employer-employee relationship, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. So whoever your boss is at work, okay, Um, you know, those who are over you, you know, in your work, do you, you know, do you have a, 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 as an earthly master, do you, you know, obey them with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart? just as you would obey Christ. This is not easy. It is not easy oftentimes to look, particularly when they're, you know, when they're not godly bosses. right? It's very hard to have sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. I can't even imagine this for someone that was in slavery. But the exhortation is that Jesus knows the position you're in. Jesus is with you. You know, Paul is speaking to believers here, believing slaves, believing employees, right? Jesus is with you. He's aware of it. So just out of reverence for Christ, when we do things, when a wife obeys her husband out of reverence for Christ, simply because this is how Jesus set it up and this is his will, it does make things substantially easier. When you have a a difficult boss at work, right? Right. Um, And someone that's not treating you well, um, when you know that, hey, Jesus has me in this position and he's going to have me to to be a good employee, a compliant, obedient employee um, and to to have respect and to walk in the fear of God and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ, because you want the blessing of Jesus. Verse eight, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And Paul says that 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 look at that verse, look at that, Esther, whether he is slave or free, Paul saying, "The Lord knows whether you're slave, the Lord knows whether you're free, right um, look at verse nine, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way, do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him, okay. So when we step back, we see a perspective that that very little of the church has, certainly the world has none of it. Okay. You see this disposition. I don't like being in unpleasant circumstances. Okay. No one would want to be, you know, as a slave, whether in biblical times or certainly in just the just the horrible slavery again that our country experienced in those days, in those times, right? Um but Just this attitude to understand that Christ is Lord of everything. Christ is the boss of everything. And masters, verse 9, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master, Jesus is the master of the slave, and your master. If you're an employee today, Jesus is your master. And if you're a boss, Jesus is equally your master and there is no favoritism with him. So again, Jesus is going to, to judge you. He's going to discipline you. He's going to reward you based on how you're being obedient to the word of God. So once again, in our culture, we look at this again from an employee-employee-employee-employer relation, employee-employer relationship. Um, And verse six says, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, right? Just don't be brown nosing. Don't just when you're doing your job, do it really good when the boss is watching, right? But like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. And again, do you see it there? Again, like slaves of Christ. If you're an employee or in this day, if you were a slave, you know, you're a slave of Christ, okay? The Lord has you in this position. He's your master, and he's going to reward you for whatever good you do, or he'll discipline us when we're, you know, when we're disobedient and sinful. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. So wherever we are, whatever our position is, whatever our job is, we want to do it under Christ. We want to do it out of reverence for Christ. Right, Rap? Um, You know, we want to serve wholeheartedly as if we were serving the Lord. Again, whatever your job is today, whatever your work is today, whatever you're doing in, uh, you know, uh, whatever you earn your money doing, you want to serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord, not men. So we want to do our work right? We want to do everything as if we're, we're doing it for the Lord because we are doing it for the Lord. Verse eight, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he's slave or free. And now again, if you are a boss, and you do have employees that, that report to you, I mean, this is something now that's uh, even a bigger responsibility. Jesus said to him, much is given, much is required, much is expected, right? Verse nine and master's, Okay. And a master here would be like a boss, right? Um, You know, in that day, again, it would be a boss or, you know, uh, the master that was over the slave and masters treat your slaves in the same way. What does that mean? You see that? And masters treat your slaves in the same way. What does that mean? You know, with sincerity of heart, with respect, treat them as Christ would treat them, right? Um, You know, doing the will of God from your heart right? You know, being a master that's, that, that's wholeheartedly mastering them as Christ would, right? Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he's slave or free. Do not threaten them because Jesus wouldn't threaten them since you know. So again, I, you know, you can see here that, that Paul in the Bible is, is putting an emphasis so that in the fear of God, when we're bosses, we know Since you know that he was both their master and yours, right? Every individual is under Christ. Jesus is the boss of everything, okay? Now, obviously, Paul's speaking to Christians here, but this is a universal principle all over the world, okay? If you're in Christ today, you're saved. You're forgiven of your sin. You've been delivered from an eternal hell. God the Father... Is your heavenly father. Jesus is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. God the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, your comforter, and you'll go to heaven when you die, right? Um, But if you're not in Christ, your sins haven't been forgiven. Ultimately, only an eternity in hell awaits if you don't receive Christ. But nonetheless, these principles are still overarching principles built in to the fabric of the universe, okay? Jesus is aware even of unbelievers, you know, unbelieving bosses that are not treating their employees well, and even then, you know, he'll either reward or discipline, okay? Um, Jesus is ultimately Lord of all, okay? If we've humbled ourselves before him, if we've received him, may, as our Lord and Savior, if we're trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sin and the salvation of our soul, then we're saved, Right, we're saved from our sin, and we'll and we'll ultimately go to heaven when we die, and we have relationship with the Triune God. But even if you haven't, you know the, these principles of what we're going to reap, what we're going to sow, and that Jesus is still aware of what's going on, even for those who are not believers, He's still your master, um, whether you're you have received Him or not. Okay, and He'll be your judge. Right. He's all of our judge. If you haven't received him, Jesus will judge you and you'll be you'll be assigned a place in hell according to how you had lived your life. If you have humbled yourself before Jesus, knowing there's nothing you can do, you're hopeless, helpless and and hopeless, helpless and desperate, and you have received him as your savior from that place, knowing there's nothing you can do, then you'll go to heaven and you'll be given a reward, you know, based on how you used your time your gifts and talents and your money and the advancement of the kingdom of God and the son of God. No one has the same punishment in hell and no one has the same reward in heaven, but Jesus is the judge of all of us, right? Remember, it was it John five where Jesus said, the father judges no one, but has left all judgment to the son. Wow. So again, I, I, wanna, I want us to really see this, this picture when you step back and look at it. Paul is not really, Paul's concern is not our position in life, um, whether we're a boss, whether an employee, whether we're slave, whether we're free. Uh, He wants us to have this perspective that Jesus is over everything. Jesus is aware of your position. Now, like I said, in in, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, Paul said, if you're a slave and you can gain your freedom, do it. But that's just so you can be a slave of Christ, okay? Uh, you know, those who were not as, those who were Christians that were not under slavery, it's our job to be a slave of Jesus Christ. Jesus is, we're all slaves of Jesus Christ, okay? If, we're, if we've received him as our savior, then we're, we're spiritually alive. We're children of our heavenly father, but we're slaves of Christ, okay? Now you can't serve Christ well until you've received him. But make no mistake, Jesus is the master, the Lord, the owner of everything. Hmm. And there is no favoritism with him. Okay. And that, that ought to be sobering to us. So again, Paul's trying to move our perspective from humanistic, worldly um, thinking that has nothing to do with Jesus. Okay. Um, all evil, right? is only fixed in christ there is no cure for any evil right racism is evil it's sin okay we cannot fix it by humanistic worldly thinking it's just lipstick on a pig you know it'll never work only in christ can can evil be extinguished okay um and there is no favoritism with him. Um, we live in a world, we live in a culture, and the church doesn't does a very poor job of this. As Christians, we need to do a much better job, where we're understanding that without Christ, there's no fix to anything. There'll be no fix to social injustice. There'll be no fix to racism. There'll there'll, there'll be no fix to inequality. Just just all the things we try to fix in society. You can't fix them without Jesus because he's the master of everything and only in Christ and through Christ and by compliance to Christ and obedience to his word and faith in him can, can any wrong be fixed. Can any sin be made right? Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What is he saying here? Finally, in light of everything I've just said, really, you know, um, in chapters four, five, and six, but really in, in the whole thing, finally, in light of everything I've said in chapters one, two, three, four, five, and now six. And remember, Paul didn't put the chapters in there, but in light of everything I've written you now, finally, boom, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Basically, now do everything I've told you to do in this book, right, Jesse? Finally. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in Jesus and in his mighty power. Okay. Everything I've written to you now. Okay. Give yourself to it fully so that your walk with the Lord, your devotion to the Lord, right, Jason, is strong. It's meaningful. It's substantial. Mm. Finally, Gwenda, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Wow. Golly, Uncle Dennis. Finally, right? In light of everything I've said here, May. In light of everything that's written here, Lauren. Nathan, you see that? Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put into practice everything I've just given you, and you will be strong. You don't want to be strong in the world right? It's, it's great to have physical strength, but you want to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Mm. We start off all of these teachings, right? You know, hopefully you're loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. All this helps you to be strong in the Lord. When you, when you do everything that Paul has written in this letter, and obviously in the whole Bible, you're growing to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, right? Now, and from that place, from that place of being obedient to the Word of God and the Son of God and laboring to walk out these truths, right, Kristen, from there, you put on the full armor of God, verse eleven, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes if you're not strong in the Lord, armor's not going to do you much good, right? If you take a soldier, for instance, um you know and he goes out and uh you know and you know he's not very strong. And, you know, the soldier just doesn't, you know, is just, is very weak, right? You could put all the armor on him you want, but when he goes into battle, if he's not strong, right, what, what good is the armor going to do, right? But if you take somebody that, that is, you know, very physically strong already, right, and they go into battle and now they have their armor put on, obviously they're in a substantially better place, right? Makes sense. Um, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And from there, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Mm. For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms and uh again this is a massive shift in perspective for us right we really don't get it for our struggle is not against flesh and blood the difficulties we have with people when we're dealing with with selfish sinful people when we're dealing in the world with a you know a, a dog eat dog world i'm going to get mine world right um our struggle is not against flesh and blood okay ultimately There are spiritual forces. There are spiritual forces of darkness and of good. There's angels and there are demons. They're invisible, right? They're in the heavenly realms, right? They're in the invisible realm. Just listen to this. We need to get dressed for battle because when we go out, okay, we need to be strong in the Lord first. Nothing's going to help us. But then we get dressed for battle in the armor of God, knowing, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil and the demons, okay, are spiritual forces of evil, and they're in the heavenly or the invisible realms. We can't see them, right? And that's our struggle, okay? We live our lives, again, Um and again our perspective on this obviously the vast majority of christians whatever the 99.9% of christians would say yeah no i don't i don't live my life like with any reality of any spiritual battle around me at all okay um but there is a spiritual battle raging that we can't see if we begin to understand that our struggle is not against flesh and blood our struggle is not in dealing with with people right But dealing with the the dark forces that are instigating, the spiritual forces, the devil and the demons that are consistently instigating ungodly, sinful behavior. The devil and the demons that continually want to produce strife and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Stephen. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. And we see here there are apparently different levels in the kingdom of hell as there is in heaven, right? Of of the angels and the demons, there are apparently different ranks, different strengths, different positions of authority, right? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And now we're going to end there. And we'll finish the the book, Lord willing, next time, and we'll do verses 13 to 24, and he's going to give us the, the armor of God. He's going to give us five pieces of armor and one weapon, a sword, the sword of the spirit, the word of God is our only offensive weapon. But Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, I do ask you to help us to remember, Holy Spirit, have mercy on us that we would remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, our struggle is not dealing with other people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and our struggles against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms and the invisible realms. Father, I do pray holy angels around us, one and all today, I ask you to keep the devil and all demons far from us lord i pray a hedge of protection around us lord and i do pray lord that you would seal this this armor of god to us one and all father i'd ask you to seal to us the the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth the shoes of peace father we do pick up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and the sword of the Spirit, we pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. We pick up our Bible, Father. Father, I do ask you to help us to, to just to, to serve others, Lord, to serve our earthly bosses as we would, as we would serve you, Jesus. I, I do confess I have failed in this my whole life, Lord. And I do ask you to, to forgive me. Help us, Lord, to have an attitude of serving wholeheartedly. As if we're serving you, Lord Jesus, and not men or women. Because we know, Lord Jesus, that you will reward us. You'll reward everyone for whatever good he does. Father, we do love you and bless you and thank you today. We ask you to help those of us who are bosses, Lord, to, uh, to treat our employees, Lord, um, in the same way, Lord. that Not to threaten them, Lord, knowing that you're our master as well as theirs and there's no favoritism with you. Father, we honor you and bless you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. We ask you to give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear him. Point us to Jesus, we pray, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.